0: You're here listening to the Soul Expansion Podcast because intuitively you know there's more to life. There's something more here. And truthfully, we access that something more in our own bodies, in our own souls. We have all the wisdom we need. And when we can access this within ourselves, business, money, impact, in every area of our life... Become so much more easeful, relaxed, and abundant. My name is Kristen Kasinski and I'm here as your guide and your host. But this is your journey, so let the journey begin. Hello and welcome back to the Soul Expansion Podcast. I'm Kristen Kaczynski and I am here with Alina Amir. Alina and I worked together for about six months and she is also an incredible copywriter, copywriting consultant. Um, she also you know, supports people that are wanting more of like a copy auditing service and has so many different tools for business owners that are wanting to strengthen their copy And so welcome, Alina. We're so happy to have you here. I am so excited to be
1: here. Uh, I love talking about all of this. I'm so pumped.
0: (laughs) And what I think is so cool about you and about like the fact that we work together um, that I just wanted to touch on briefly is copywriting is such a like formulaic, like scientific thing in theory, right? Like in theory, there's certain things that you want to do to strengthen your copy. And I know you are very skilled at copywriting and you pay attention to all of those classic marketing rules when it comes to copywriting. And also there's the energy behind the copy that plays such a big role on the ultimate outcome. And I think that something that you started to learn even just in working with your own clients is if your energy and if their energy wasn't fully behind what they were sharing in terms of their offer, then that energy was like translated in the copy and they didn't have necessarily as good an outcome as they were wanting. So can you share more about how you started to notice that the energy you bring to your copy affects the ultimate outcome? Definitely. So
1: copywriting is technically a marketing science. So when you learn copywriting, you learn it just simply based on, oh, how to write a sales page or how to write an email sequence. And then what are the different persuasion tactics that you can use to get someone to keep reading, to get someone to click buy, depending on your goal with whatever it is that you're writing. But what I was noticing was that that was never Enough, um, as a lot of business owners do, in the beginning of my business, I was working with literally anyone that was willing to pay me. like straight mm-hmm. up, like I'm not there's no lie there. I, if I could get money for a service, I was willing to do it because I just wanted it to work. And so I was writing for a lot of business owners, and I noticed the difference between business owners who are really in it to showcase an offer they believed in and that they were mm-hmm. really, really excited about versus those that were just trying to promote an offer for the sake of making the money from the offer. Mm. And those are different energies. And I noticed that when I was writing for them or auditing for them, the way they would approach the project was sincerely very, very different. Where, And you can ask yourself specific questions to kind of guide that. Um, but primarily what I noticed was the intention behind why you're writing a piece of copy bleeds into it regardless of if you do it yourself or through a copywriter. And I was noticing that more and more because as I worked with more clients that were really just in it for the money, they just wanted to sell the course, sell the product to see how many zeros they can get at the end of their launch. I was noticing that I didn't like to write for them. And it was a struggle. It was like working through sand to try and figure out the words to use because I genuinely was almost not willing to be a part of their success because I was just so turned off by how... Um, I don't want to say greedy because I don't think there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money in your launch. Like you should make as much money as you want in your launch. But if you're doing it from a place of, I just want people to buy this thing versus like, I'm excited to get people inside my world to help them. That was like a big turn off for me as a copywriter. And I started to notice that more and more. And then working with Kristen, it kind of doubled that desire because at that point I was starting to think about saying no to clients, which is unheard of for me. Mm. Um, Especially like I'm a baby business owner in a way where it's been like maybe a year and a few months. I've been copywriting for longer, but as someone who's only a year and few months into their own business to say no to clients is a big deal. And I grew up in a situation culturally where like, you don't say no to money. Like if someone's willing to pay you, you do the thing. And it was like a big, t- like struggle from trying to figure out where the energetics fit into it and what I was comfortable with versus just working with the clients that actually wanted to do this for the greater good.
0: Wow. Yeah. So much, so much to unpack, even just in that first statement, that first answer to the question. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me was how you could actually feel in working with clients who their energy was not in the right place. You could actually feel that as the service provider working for them. And you could feel that it didn't feel good for you to write words for them or like the creativity was a lot harder to come by. And as like business owners who are hiring service providers, because I know we have a lot of listeners who hire service providers, I think that's something that's so interesting to feel into. Like I truly believe from an energetic standpoint, it starts with the CEO, it starts with the leader, the founder, whoever is the, the, the brainchild behind the business, of course. And then of course your, your team fits in with whatever your energy is, or they don't. And you as the CEO have to figure out, you know, who fits into the team, whose energy is right to be in your world. And I think it's so interesting when I, when I come from like hiring people perspective to realize that my energy is going to impact the service providers I hire and it's going to impact how they want to show up and work. And I think it's just something so interesting to feel into as a leader. And so I'd be curious to know how have things shifted now that you've found some clients or maybe I should say attracted some clients that are so much more in alignment with your values and your beliefs and what you want to be doing? So there
1: are a few simple some of them kind of um, shallow ways that I kind of figure out whether or not this client is someone that I really want to work with just from a standpoint of wanting to support their mission. because at the end of the day, a copywriter, social media manager, an online business manager, whoever it is, it's it depends on you, um, they're a conduit. So they're not the ones who need to be excited about your offer primarily right like you have to be excited about the offer and then you need to translate that excitement to the copywriter social media manager whoever it is and as a service provider what I see often is people relying on the service provider to generate that excitement um, without having it as much initially and that's a problem because as a copywriter right I, I can read your mind to a certain extent I can articulate your thoughts I can put together like fragmented phrases and figure out like how to make it sound good I got you on all of that, that's not an issue, but I can't work from an unstable base, right? So there needs mm-hmm. to be some sort of foundation. And what I'm noticing a lot in this online business owner space is CEOs, business owners are reaching out to the service providers without that foundation set. And that puts a lot of pressure on the service provider to figure that out for you. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is the copy is not, the copy or the content, whatever it is, isn't in congruence with your business because it wasn't communicated enough in Mm. the onset. Um, And from an energetic standpoint, because I want to tie it back to the topic of the conversation, you need to make sure that your energy is behind the offer you want to create and sell before going to a copywriter at the end of the day. The copywriter will help you amplify it because when you see more words around it that are really pretty and like the language sounds really good, it'll make you more hype and you can use that language. But before approaching the copywriter, you should at least know the bare minimum of why do I love this offer so much? Who do I want to help with this offer? And what is the greater good that this offer is going to do? And Mm. often as a copywriter, because I have like those extensive questionnaires that business owners either love or hate, I can tell from the questionnaire, how many people have contacted me for copy with just an idea without flushing out some of those details. Mm. Um, And I get it because it's overwhelming and you want to get the offer out there. And that's like quick and dirty action in the online business space. I get it. I do that. My website's a mess, but I put out my offers on it. I understand. (laughs) But um, there's like core things, right? You don't need to know how many modules are in your course before contacting a copywriter, but you should know who the course is for before contacting a copywriter. So energetically, it's, it can be hard also as the copywriter to articulate that to a business owner, because you don't want to tell what, someone how to do their job. And as a service provider, it's even trickier, because theoretically, the relationship is like, if they're my client, I had to train myself out of the fact that the client is always right, because I can sometimes be right, like, that's not unheard of. I, I, I know what I'm talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. And um, I was realizing I was having more in these conversations. And I am guilty of writing copy for offers that I shouldn't have written for. Um mm-hmm. in the end where like those offers were not on a good's foundation, they weren't they weren't in the greater service of the people they were claiming to be of service of, um and everything like that. So I am not spe- I'm speaking this from the experience of having regretted saying yes to projects and writing for them when I shouldn't have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and it sucks. Like it truly truly sucks because then afterwards you have resentment towards the person you wrote for, even though I should have said no, it generates resentment. And if you assume, if the copywriter is already like annoyed, then you can only assume that the people reading the copy, how they'll feel if they don't feel that energy behind the offer upon, upon purchasing. And the other part of it is when you are energetically really behind the offer that you're putting out, I think that translates to the rest of the parts of your launch beyond just copywriting. Copywriting is one part of the process, right? Like the emails are one part of the process. The sales page is one part of the process. The cool thing about copywriting is that once you put in the work to do it, if you do the emails, if you do the sales page, it can be translated to everything else. You can, I've written sales pages for clients who just used the copy I wrote for them for their content to promote their launch. They didn't write anything. Mm. They just took pieces of the sales page and then did it. And it was all in congruence with each other because of that. But because they had the energy behind the sales page on the onset, that's why that worked. Mm. Because it kind of translated into the entire funnel, quote unquote, or customer journey, whatever word is less triggering for you. Because I know some people hate the word funnel. (laughs) I'm trying to be cognizant (laughs) of that. Um, You're the funnel. Um, But yeah, I think the energetics of it. But also, there's the other problem where um, that I've noticed in the online business space is copywriting is kind of a checklist item. Um, Mm. it's not some, some people are just like, just do it, just get it done. Just outsource, just outsource, just outsource. And I understand I outsource things in my business that I hate doing. Like account, like, what is it? Bookkeeping. Um, You will never catch me bookkeeping. I will go into debt before I do my own bookkeeping, (laughs) which I guess is not counterintuitive, but from a copywriting perspective, yes, it is a task you can outsource, but it's not a task that is hands-off
0: because it's Mm. your voice.
1: So if your voice isn't stable, then your copywriter cannot translate that into anything.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of people don't really understand when we think of like some of those things that we do outsource, like for me, marketing and as you know, copywriting has been one of those things that I have, you know, put off outsourcing for myself at least until I really felt super confident in my own voice and, full transparency, I still write every fucking word in my business, like every sales page, everything on my website, (laughs) every email I ever send. But part of that is simply because I am such a good writer and like, I enjoy writing, but for those people that don't enjoy writing and don't want to write another word in their business, I think you're bringing up such an important point that they at least need to have the right mindset about what they're using this copy for. And I would even think like if, if I were to hire a copywriter, I think it it's so powerful if you can actually be super intentional about why you're hiring that person. So mm-hmm. what would you say if someone was going to hire you, Alina, what would be the like most powerful intentions someone could bring to a relationship with you as a copywriter?
1: That's a great question. I have never worded it like that before. So,
0: (laughs) Putting her on the spot.
1: (laughs) uh, Literally. So if someone, let's say someone was DMing me about potentially working with me about copywriting, right? What I would look for is excitement about what it is that they're promoting. Mm. Um, That doesn't mean you you have to be stress-free. That doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers or anything like that, but just general excitement about what you're going after, Um, I never look for specific number goals unless they want to share it, but it's not super important to me. Like if someone wants 10 people versus 500 people, I treat it the same because it's so, so dependent on the offer. But the first thing is general excitement. Mm. The second thing is just, I kind of stalk a little bit and see like (laughs) who they're trying to talk to, right? Like, Mm. is there someone that they're really trying to speak to? Is there some is the personality in the DMs the same as the personality they're putting on their social media profile? Mm. I think that's something that's often overlooked. Um, and it's tricky because some people outsource their social media. So it's you have like, I have to take it with a grain of salt for sure. But do I get the same vibe from them on their social media profiles as I do in their DMs, as I do mm-hmm. in the DMs? Other things I look for is just like people who are willing to work with me to work with me and not because they think they'll get like a special deal out of it. Um, that's mm. something I had to learn in my business too, where I prioritize accessibility in a lot of things for sure. I have copywriting templates for people who want to DIY their own stuff, but aren't ready to hire me for anything that's totally fine. Similar to I think your sole expansion membership where it's just mm-hmm. a different way of accessing like my knowledge. And then I have payment plans, I have copy audits that are more accessible than done-for-you copy where I write every word for you. But regardless, I see where they're at, right? Because what'll happen is, and maybe this is just an online business thing, some people determine how much it'll cost to invest in your services based on how many followers you have. Mm-hmm. And I have a relatively modest following. It's less than a thousand for sure. No shame in that. Maybe by now it's more than that. Who really knows? But when this podcast episode comes out, but right now it's hovering around like nine, ten, or something. And some people will contact me because they see that it's on the lower end, and they'll be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, she must be cheaper," without realizing that first of all, that that's not a fair comparison. Like it's mm-hmm. it doesn't really mean anything. Um, additionally, you don't know about my TikTok, which is hovering around 5,000, kidding,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but celebrating you for that
1: (laughs) The intention behind why you're messaging me matters where if you're messaging me, because you want me to help you promote an offer you're excited about that's, that's enough for me. Like that's enough where I can at least get started, that we can get the ball rolling in some capacity. And I always am willing to work with clients on like figuring out ways to like best support them given their resources. But I do not like, because this has happened before, everything I say is based on a mistake I've made. Like my mm-hmm. failures and my mistakes have taught me like a lot of lessons on who I'm willing to work with and who I'm not. But contacting me simply because you want a discount or simply because you think it'll be cheaper or easier is not the move. Um, it's not because the move. You, <laughs> you literally
0: won't. You should go to Fiverr Upwork then at that point. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and Totally. And I, I think that's it. something that I like really deeply respect about you and the work that, you know, we've done together is you, you've been so firm about raising your standards. And I know for a while there was, you know, some fear with that. So talk about like, especially for service providers that may be listening to this, or even like coaches, like I think it's for any entrepreneur who may be listening to this, talk about the fear of raising your standards, like desiring clients that will treat you with more respect, with more integrity, have a deeper passion for the work you're going to do together. And the fear of like missing out on like that, quote unquote, easy money that you now know you didn't even really want to begin with. Talk about some of that, that fear and some of the, maybe the, some of the limiting beliefs that came up for you as you started to raise your standards.
1: Definitely. To be fair, I'm still working on this. So I'm not like a picture perfect example. Um, But this kind of goes back to a programming thing that I realized in working with Kristen, which is as I'm Pakistani American. So when I was growing up, um, I grew up basically in an immigrant household, right? So both of my parents came here in their 30s and built a life from scratch, which is not an easy thing to do. And they basically their mindset about it was you take every opportunity you can get and you go Mm -hmm. from there. There wasn't this idea of like, Oh, this person's treating me poorly. I should find something else. Or I should say, no, that wasn't an option because at that point it was survival. And this idea that you could hold out for something better didn't exist. And I was, I grew up with that belief and both of my parents are business owners. And so They always talked about how they had difficult clients, but they just worked past it and how um, you just struggle and you hustle, you struggle and you hustle. And then eventually you get to like the other side of the rainbow. I don't know if they've gotten to the other side of the rainbow, to be perfectly Mm. honest, but that was kind of the narrative where, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, where the harder you work for something, the more worthwhile the result is of it. And so... You like everyone loves the sob story. Everyone loves the struggle story. So, when I started my business, I thought it'd be the same thing, where I was like, okay, I'll just take any clients I can get and go from there. I started on like freelancing sites like Upwork and stuff like that. So, I would get clients. So many people lowballed me. Um, a really great example is a really established business coach hired me for a full launch copy, sales page emails and everything like that. And asked me for like a 30% discount. (sighs) And at the time I said, yes, like full transparency, I said, yes. And then they referred me to um, a peer of theirs. And at that point I was charging, I think a thousand dollars for a sales page. for context, I now charge I think around twenty five hundred, depending on the sales page, give or take. At the time of yes. recording this
0: podcast, at the yes, time, the was Important, but um, disclaimer: she may go up to five thousand. So reach out to her right now and hire. Her.
1: <laughs> There's
0: always payment plan options, though.
1: But anyway, so they reach uh, me to a peer and that peer asked me to do the entire sales page for five hundred, so from a oh. thousand to five hundred, and again I said yes, and um. I said, yes. And the thing about it was at the time I was like, you know what, Alina, just, just get it done. You can raise your prices later. Just, just get it done. Get the testimonial, raise your prices later. Later, when I thought back to it, I realized that I was very resentful of the situation and the resentment came from the fact that I was giving people a discount that theoretically, according to their public profiles didn't need it. So I was giving the discount to people who were training others on how to make money online and were supposedly very successful at it. And we're sharing their numbers and their profits online about like how they reach multiple six figures, seven figures, whatever it is. And I was like, okay, so if that's true, then what was the problem with paying me full price for all the copywriting that I did? And um, it breeds resentment. And what I would say to business owners who are hiring a copywriter, any service provider is um, yes, culturally, in a lot of situations, there's haggling. And negotiating in some situations. And I've noticed that, but that doesn't mean that that's always the case now. And what I think has happened is a lot of people are like, business is a negotiation. And I disagree. Not all business is a negotiation. If people have set a rate, they've set it for a reason. Mm -hmm. And most rates now are public, right? So, like on my website, because of that experience, very transparently, my prices are all there. Like, you know how much it is if you go to my website. Because I don't want to surprise anyone. Like, I don't want anyone to reach out to me and then be like, oh, I didn't know it would be that much because that's uncomfortable for both parties. And I would say, as a business owner, you should know how much you're willing to invest beforehand. And you should understand what you're investing in because you're not just getting a Google Doc of words with the mm-hmm. copy. That's my mm-hmm. best example. You're not getting a Google Doc with words. Well, you are. But in addition to that, <laughs> you're getting. You're getting strategy calls with someone who's been in the industry for a while. You're getting someone to do work for you that'll take you twice as long because you have so many other things to do. Um, you're getting peace of mind. And with copywriting- And you're getting someone
0: who's really good at writing. Let's not discount that, Alina. Like you're getting someone who this is actually like this is your calling and your craft. This is your expertise, right? Like a lot of a lot of coaches that would hire you, writing is not necessarily their expertise.
1: I agree. And I know that from reading it, like there are things that I'm terrible at and I'm, I'm the first to admit it. Like, like I said, bookkeeping, we all, we all have those things though. Right. right? Like, <laughs> so, um, you're, when you're investing in a copywriter though, and this is another thing that I think is so important to remember is it's not a one-time investment in the sense, no, sorry. It is a one-time investment for some projects, but if I write you a sales page, that does not mean that after your launch, the sales page is rendered useless because that sales page can be used for so many things because the sales page has multiple sections to it. It has your about me. It has frequently asked questions. It has social proof. It has um, a a breakdown of the benefits. That's so many things, right? So you can use that for so many emails in the future for stories. You can use that for content. Like I, 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 truly believe that when you invest in copywriting, you're not just investing in like that particular piece of copy. You're investing in so many parts of your launch just going easier because you have so much of the work done for you. And what I think is really annoying to be fully transparent about the <laughs> online business space is that service providers, for whatever reason, are placed on the lower pedestal mm-hmm. in terms of the investment and maybe in comparison to some coaches or consultants.
0: And yeah, I, let's unpack that a little bit because you were talking about how you you've seen it's somewhat standard practice for people to negotiate in business and for people to negotiate with service providers. But for example, I've never been, I've never like not once been the type of person who was hiring someone else, service provider, coach, whatever, and said, can you take off 20% because I'm also a business owner. And I'm saying this, not just to show a different example, but also to challenge people who maybe are trying to negotiate with service providers. But just for me, like, I wanna be energetically in integrity, like with myself. Like if I wouldn't allow someone to negotiate with me about my prices, which that is not anything I'm ever available for. I do not negotiate my prices because I set them at a certain place for a certain reason, right? Now, is it possible that sometimes I offer sliding scale spots Yes. Is that, you know, at my discretion? Yes. Is that something that anyone can ask for? Yes. If it's available, I'm happy to have a discussion about it, but I am not going to negotiate my prices with someone. And so if I'm not going to negotiate my prices with someone, and it's not like a specific sliding scale scenario, then why would I expect someone that I hire to negotiate their prices, right? And I think it's so important if you are someone who is hiring other people to look at the energetics of how you're treating the people you hire for service providers, coaching anything, and is it all energetically in alignment or are there... There Are there people on your team that you're not valuing to the same degree as other people? And if so, why is that the case, right? Like, why is that the case that maybe you're not valuing the copywriter that you're hiring or the the social media manager that you're hiring, but you are valuing the coach that you're hiring? In my mind, we should be valuing everyone who's in our energy at the same level and paying them what they feel they want to be paid. And if it's not in alignment for us, then finding someone else. Right. I mean, that's just kind of like my perspective on the negotiation piece, but also I think it reflects in your money, right? Like for me, I've never, again, negotiated with anyone about their prices. So I've never been on the receiving end of someone trying to negotiate with me. Maybe once someone asked about it. And in that case, I said, sometimes I offer sliding scale spots if I'm available for it. But I think it's something to look at. Like if you notice as, let's say you're a coach hiring service providers and you're someone who negotiates with service providers, do you notice that in your launches, you have people that say, I can't afford it? Or can you come down on the price a little bit? I think it, it would just be an interesting kind of like awareness experiment to see what's happening in your money because of what you're what you're experiencing in the back end of your business with your money.
1: No, I definitely agree. And it was always weird to me because I've never asked for a discount or negotiated with someone. So I was just really annoyed <laughs> that people kept asking me. And I was like, no. I also but think but that's that the other
0: depends. thing too, because and sorry to sorry to cut you off, but that that's mm-hmm. the other thing I forgot I wanted to say. It's like, if you are on the receiving end, then there, there is that invitation from the universe to clean up that boundary. Right. And to like, mm-hmm. notice that it's happening and decide that you're worthy of more and decide that you're not going to stand for it anymore. So talk about that piece. I think you just gave me a journal prompt for later today, but, um, <laughs> wait, what is it, what is it, what is it? <laughs>
1: Uh, why do you think you keep getting requests for discounts or? Neg- I I don't get them as much anymore, for sure. Um, <laughs> I've been very blessed that recently the people who've entered my space have been very very like respectful and like have taken my whatever price it is for whatever service and been like okay, got it, which I'm very grateful for. But when it comes to the service provider, I, for me, I know it's cultural. Like I know for me, it is how I was raised, where I was raised in an environment where I was surrounded by people constantly negotiating um, for anything. Um, And it was just something I'm so used to that when people were doing it to me, I thought that, okay, this is normal in business, but it breeds resentment. And that's, I think the biggest thing that has, I don't wanna say held me back in business. It's just the biggest thing for me to overcome. And I think part of it, as a service provider also comes from feeling like you don't know enough sometimes, or it feels like maybe you're not good enough where it's like, oh, if this person's asking for a discount, that must mean that I haven't shown that I'm good enough or I am i haven't shown that I'm worth it. And I'm sure this applies to any type of business owner, but that's like a constant struggle of reminding yourself that yes, you are worth the investment. Yes, what you contribute is invaluable. Like it's barely quantifiable. Like the money transaction is just a part of that equation. Um, And also something that I have found to help me a lot is very rudimentary, but I will literally just make a list of what I bring to the table. Um, So it's not just, oh, I write copy. Like that's the bare minimum. That's like scratching the surface of what it is I do. Even from like the templates that I sell, the templates are filled with copywriting lessons. So it's not just like copy and paste. It's like, there's reasoning behind everything. There's options. There's Explanations, there's loop videos. Like I went above and beyond because I wanted everything that I sold. I wanted the response always to be like, I can't believe the investment wasn't more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, one. So I wanted to go back to the list. Like one thing that has helped me as a service provider is to make a list of everything I bring to the table. For example, I have a law degree, and yes, that's not copywriting. I get that, but the fact that I have a law degree means that I'm really good at writing a lot in a little bit of time. And I know how to make a point. Like I understand the importance of creating like an argument or persuasion. I understand all of that. I worked as a copywriter for a proper media company. Like I didn't just like show up without any understanding of what copywriting was like. I written for seven figure clients and I've worked in the back end. I understand funnels and I bring that level of strategy to the table. Obviously I invest in my own Lessons. And I think you don't need any of that to be successful as a copywriter. Like, as a disclaimer, you do not. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't add to the experience of someone working with you, right? Like, there are certain benefits of working with me versus other copywriters, and there are benefits of working with other copywriters over me. And you have to choose what's important to you. For example, some people really like working with me because I went to law school because their brand is more professional. And that's not good or bad, right? Every brand is different. Some people have a more laid back vibe. Some people have a more corporate vibe. It's up to you. But some clients who have a more corporate vibe who are maybe in the medicine space, real estate space, legal space. They like working with me because I understand the jargon. Because I understand how to write all of that stuff in a simpler way. Um, So like, that's something I bring to the table. That's not just, oh, I write copy. And I think as a service provider, whatever it is you do, I don't care if you're a social media manager, graphic designer, like, don't discount those little things that brought you to where you are, even if they may not seem directly relevant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you're, you're pointing to something that is so important when it comes to pricing your services and attracting the kind of income you want to attract is realizing that you are a unique individual with unique expertise. And yes, some of your skills and some of your things that you bring to the table will be similar to other people but at least what i've found for myself and and i know you're still on the journey you're you're working through things on your end but my income has really grown quite substantially the more i've leaned into okay this is me this is me and no one else is me and no one else can even try to be me and i think you know we're often told that about coaches and obviously i'm a coach but i think as a service provider There is room for you to really own who you are and own that who you are is good enough. And it's like, I almost think of it as like a swagger, right? Like it's like this energy that you bring to your business, to your marketing, to your content, to even to your pricing that says, I don't fuck around like, (laughs) I know I am worth this amount and I don't fuck around and I get the job done. If you're a service provider or I show up and support the hell out of you, if you're more of a coach type of person and it's just really getting like, I I feel like it's like digging your heels into this truth, like digging your heels into the mud and knowing that this is my worth. This is what I am amazing at. This is who I am. And the more you lean into that, the more you own that, the more you like develop that swagger. It's like you become that premium copywriter or that premium coach or that premium service provider that people don't even care what the price is. They're like, I need to work with you because I see something in you that no one else has in your industry.
1: I definitely agree. A great example of that recently is um, in the reverse. Whereas there's, I hired someone to help me with my website because I was really annoyed with it. Like it, I just looked at it and my eyes were upset and I was like, I need someone to come and make this look better. And just, I want to be happy when I visit my own website. I'm a visual person in some ways. So for me, having a website is important, but I don't think you have to have one just as a disclaimer for any business owners out there. If you don't have a website then and your business is working, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> um, this is just a personal preference of mine, but she was working with me on it. And we had a call recently about like a tour of the website before it goes live. to like, see, oh, do you like it? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, I love it and everything. And then at the end, I was like, um, thank you so much for getting on this call with me. I totally forgot that that this was part of the package of website redesign or whatever. And she goes, Oh, this isn't part of the package. I just really liked working with you. So I added this call for free. Like, this is not something I usually do. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was kind of shocked for a second because I was like, is there like a catch? Like, like what's the the tea here? She's like, no, I just really love spending time with you. You're just like really fun to talk to. So that's why I wanted to do a call with you instead of just sending you a loom video, which is what apparently is like the standard. And I was just like really caught off guard because I'm not, I guess I was just like, oh, someone really likes to spend time with me. But that yeah, I think it's so important to remember because even then I realized that as a copywriter, I love to go above and beyond for clients who I love spending time with, who I love speaking totally. to, who make me laugh or who make me smile or who make me think differently about the world. And as a business owner, if you're looking for a copywriter or any service provider, you should look for someone who you would want to talk to. Because it's a really personal relationship, because the copywriter is an extension of your voice. So you should logically and illogically want to talk to this person. So I focus more on showing up as myself in very simple ways of like, I talk very differently sometimes, or like, I will put in really big words randomly in the middle of conversations because of (laughs) how much I've read in the legal space. And it's just a default of mine. And I used to be really weird, like uh, nervous about it because I thought, oh, this so-, like I sound obnoxious. I sound like presumptuous. And no one's going to like me. They're going to think that I'm like, I think I'm all that when really I just like the sources. Like it's not the same thing. But um, <laughs> I've been embracing that more where like on my stories, I don't filter what I say as much. I curse sometimes versus like trying to either hold it in or try to do too much because yeah. I've seen like both spectrums of it ends of the spectrum of it but i've noticed that that has helped where people want to talk to me more in simple ways like in the dms or something but i'm hoping that by doing that i'll attract the clients that i'm excited to work with because as a copywriter i don't like i don't work in the. Um, the work I do is very personal because I need to know who you are. I need your life story. I need like to know like what hurts you, what helps you. I need to know all the like, the. I need your diary, like essentially. And um, no one's going to give that to you if they don't trust you or if they don't like to talk to you. So I worked really hard on doing that. And I have seen it pay off literally and figuratively. Um, and I try to infuse it in everything now because it also just makes things more fun. Um, I did, it does mean that I did hide some people in my personal life from my social media profiles because I was scared of what they would think. And I recommend that wholeheartedly. Totally. Um, but it's definitely a lot more fun now because now it's just like, okay, like, you know, just show up as someone who, like, just show up as yourself so that the people who come in contact with you want to talk to you and you don't have to like second guess every little word you say, cause it's exhausting. Like I'm over that. That was like my dating profile phase. And I can't do that anymore.
0: (laughs) I know. I talk about it like instead of being like a robot uh, automaton, like in your case, service provider, but I always say like a robot automaton, like coach thing. It's like, just like, stop, just be yourself, break down the walls, be all of you, be the parts of you that maybe are embarrassing, be the parts of you that maybe not everyone will love. Because if you show those parts of you, you start to open yourself up to the people who see that in you and see that it's not perfect robot professional. And they're like, I love this person. I want to work with this person. And people can't help but love you or they go the opposite, right? I think we're winning when it comes to like building our community and and attracting soulmate clients. If people either love us or they don't want anything to do with us. Right. And I don't say hate, cause hate's a strong word. Right. But <laughs> they either love us or they're like, she's not for me. If that is the dynamic, when people land on your profile, when people talk, talk to you, or when people engage with your, with your services, then you're doing something right because you're staying true to you and not everyone is going to love you. So I want to kind of switch gears here. So obviously you're into the energetics, but you're also into the strategy. Um, But we also had like such an amazing, incredible thing happen when we worked together where as we started processing some things, Uh, together in our one-on-one calls things started to shift in your personal life so (laughs) I was wondering if because obviously we're whole human beings we're not just business owners I was wondering if you'd be open to sharing some of like the before and after shifts with your very special personal life event that happened (laughs) you got engaged right (laughs) yes
1: um it does require a little bit of context. So I'll try to keep this brief um, in copywriter fashion, but essentially I came to Kristen for help with business stuff where like the standard, you know, I wanna make this amount of money working with this amount of people X per month, all of that math, whatever. And um, while I was working through that, obviously because she's Kristen, she was highlighting certain things that were kind of deeply programmed into me about like why I wasn't, why I didn't believe I was worth X or why I didn't believe I was worth Y. Um, and as those things were coming up, I was understanding that it was not just in my business, but it was translated into my personal life. So I, um, at the time that I worked, started working with Kristen was in a relationship, um, with my, I was in a relationship with my boyfriend and I'm like, we haven't broken up. So I don't want to, I don't want to make this sound like (laughs) it's 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 a happy ending, but, um, uh, we were dating and culturally there's a lot of, um, little nuances to dating as Pakistanis because of just religion, um, expectations, and his family is based in Pakistan, while my family's based in America. And so what was happening was there were a lot of logistical difficulties with visas, with um, travel, and all of that. And we wanted to take that next step um, to like actually get married. Um, and what was happening was like every conversation we were having about it was kind of like a dead end because of all of these different issues and they were no one's fault like it was not an unwillingness there was nothing like oh I don't want to marry you like that wasn't the that was not the foundation it was a good foundation the intention was good before we had these yeah. conversations but nothing was like working out right because um I don't want to go into like the politics of it but visas in America for immigrants are no longer as easy as, they were never easy, but it's become increasingly difficult for people who want to establish a life here. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of rules you have to follow and limitations on earning and all of that. And so all of these little issues were coming up and I was very frustrated because fundamentally, I just wanted to marry him and get it done with. And there was just, <laughs> there, it was like, there's no other fancy reason. I was just like, I'm ready, I'm ready to be married to you. I would just like to do that sooner rather than later. Let's make this happen. Nothing was happening. It was just kind of like, it was like a Spartan race that I was not winning. Like I was trying to climb the rock wall, and I was just nowhere near the top of this rock <laughs> wall. And we were the conversations never ended, but little things started to take place, like little pieces were starting to come together, and I wasn't really noticing them um of someone maybe saying, "Oh, actually, yes, you can get away with that. That's fine. or, oh yes, my schedule is cleared up. We can make that happen. Um, I don't want to name names of the different yeah. people involved for like respect of their privacy, but um, oh yes, those travel dates work. Like these little things were working out. And then at the end, I realized, um, I guess at, around the time, like during the end of our time together, that it was actually like for sure going to happen. So like now I it, we're recording this on June 20th. So I'm getting married in a month. Almost <laughs> exactly, And so like all of it worked out and there was a chance I was, this wasn't going to be able, like, there was a chance this wasn't going to happen for another year, um, yeah. which is difficult because culturally you can't really do anything together <laughs> until you're married in some ways. So that's, that's a lot of fun for me, but um, it worked out. And so I would say my biggest manifestation with working with Kristen is not related to my business um even though those those things happened too but it was this and i did it without really i tried but there wasn't much i could do so a lot of it was just kind of me letting it go because as the american in the situation who had the least amount of information to work with i was kind of just like sitting there watching it all being like can this end now
0: yeah <laughs> Is it okay if I share like a few of my my reflections on that of specific course. manifestation? Yeah, so I think it's so interesting that you said, I, I tried, but there wasn't much I could do because that totally speaks to like the whole fucking point of manifestation, which is like the surrender, right? So mm-hmm. what, what I saw from you and like the reason why I think this like massive thing, this like thing that you really wanted to happen happened for you while we were working together was because we started to help you feel safe in like the the lack of control right so like there were things that you had no control over and i think before there was this this desire to try to control them even though you couldn't it was like and this is how our our inner child parts work they they want to try to create control in situations where there isn't control and so i think you just got more and more comfortable with that release of control you got more and more comfortable in the surrender and then it's like in your mind, you knew, in your heart, you knew that you were going to get married. Like, I think that was very certain for you. And I think we even had a conversation, like, what if you just assumed it was going to happen? And then you just forgot about it. Like, what if you just assumed that it was absolutely guaranteed? And then you just like relaxed and released it. And I think he proposed to you like maybe a month later. <laughs> I think it was like really quick, but yeah, it was- what was what was so beautiful about, I think that experience was it allowed you to experience that surrender in a situation where it was very clear to you that you, you had to surrender. And I think what's hard in business when it comes to manifestation is we think we can control it, right? Like we think we can micromanage every detail. We think that the role we play is bigger than the role of the universe, but actually it's applying that same level of, surrender to the business too. And I think that's, I think that's one of the hardest edges. A lot of people have with manifestation because our business is our baby. Our business is this thing that we created. It's this thing that we, you know, manifested into existence. So we want to do everything in our power to make shit happen, but actually the biggest things happen, the most magical things happen when we are able to release some of that control. And relax and allow. (laughs) No, I definitely agree. Um,
1: I learned recently, and this is a sidebar. But when I was reflecting back on this, I was reflecting back on some of like my most successful manifestations in life. Let's call it like all three of them. But um, I'm kidding. But um, I was thinking about like the ones that really stood out to me. And one thing I realized was I, I recently learned about human design. I don't know yeah. if that's something that like every, every listener is like in, into, but I I treat it like a more um, spiritual based personality test, if you will. And yeah. I'm a generator in human design. I'm I don't I'm a one three generator. I I don't know what the one three means yet. I'm working on it. But I'm a generator, and what that means is that I need to respond to what the universe like shows me versus like. Take a bunch of action to go after something, Mm -hmm. and I wish I had known that like a year ago that I was a generator, (laughs) because everything makes sense now. And the only reason I'm saying that is because what I understood was a lot of the best opportunities that came to me, literally came to me. Like I didn't go after them. Like the job I got when I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore, I didn't like search. I didn't find on a job forum. I got a notification on my phone for it, and I just responded, and then like the wedding stuff, I didn't do anything. It came in front of me and I w- I had to respond yes or no um, and everything like that. So that's something else I really, I learned very recently about myself in terms of like the manifestation spaces. I am wired to want to keep doing and taking action and hoping that it works because it makes me feel better about myself to know that I did something
0: I think um, we're I think we're all kind of wired that way to a certain extent though. And, yeah. and maybe there's unicorns listening to this because I'm 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 a Manny Gen so I guess I'm a generator type but I have a very similar uh pattern in my own business where if I like if my unconscious mind thinks that there's one more thing I can do then I'm like really likely to do it. So mm-hmm. for me it's been a huge practice over over and over again which has been knowing that I can sit here and record this podcast and I can still attract a client. I can still make money or I can sit by the pool and the money can still come, or I can be asleep and the money can still come or I can post or I cannot post. And it's like this, this Deep acceptance and this feeling of safety and trust that the input is so irrelevant to the output. But a lot of us in this society and in this culture, we're wired to believe that the input equals the output. So if we're not making the kind of money we want to make, then the tendency is to input more. And if it's not us doing it, then maybe we're hiring more people or running ads or inputting something more to make shit happen. But I've experienced the biggest income growth when I relax. When I trust the input I've already input. (laughs) I don't know how else to say that. When I trust what's already happened and what I do. And also when I trust the now. And I think sometimes in business, we're afraid to be in the now because we're always planning for the next thing. But if we can trust ourselves, in the moment we're in for me it's 1:58 p.m. eastern time zone on monday june 20th like if i can trust that this moment is exactly where i'm meant to be and that nothing is wrong there is no emergency in my business there is nothing i have to fix there's nothing i still have to do to be worthy of money i'm worthy of money now if i can center into that and keep coming back to it throughout the day throughout the week throughout the month throughout the year that's where I see the biggest abundance come through. Ditto. I I, I, I can't phrase that better. (laughs) I know I like went off on a tangent based on your (laughs) generator thing, but I just wanted to, for the listener more so, I just wanted to make sure that people know like, Even if you're not a generator, I think it's really common because of our culture, our society, that we want to try and make shit happen. And so that's how we fall into these patterns of doing to receive and burning ourselves out. But it's like, can you actually hold yourself in the discomfort of not doing anything else, of not fixing or fixating or strategizing? Can you hold yourself in the void and feel worthy? of the money coming or the clients coming or the opportunity coming or the marriage proposal coming, right? Can you hold yourself in the unknown where you don't have control and know that it's still going to work out in your favor?
1: Yeah, that's definitely, I think been the hardest part for me because doing things has become a crutch sometimes where like you think that the longer your to-do list is the better. And It's never been more true now because I have what, like three, four weeks. I leave for Pakistan in like three weeks because that's where my wedding is. And I just keep adding things to my to-do list without realizing it of things that I feel like I have to do before going. Like I have to schedule these many posts. I have to write these many emails to go out. I have to show up online this many times. Otherwise, what's going to happen when I take time off in my business for a very solid reason, I think, to get married, but any reason is a solid reason. But um the doing to receive pattern has been the hardest one for me, for sure, because I'll feel frustrated when I feel like I've done enough to deserve whatever it is that I'm asking for and it doesn't show up. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> this is not the contract that I signed, but it's definitely a lot of unlearning because from school to extracurriculars to even hobbies that you want to get better at everything has always boiled down to like, the more you do it, the better. Um, There's never been like a, Hey, just let it happen. Even though that's literally how I even found like my fiance, technically speaking, <laughs> he kind of just showed
0: up. Like I didn't really go after anything. <laughs> well, yeah. and I think there's, I think there's another important like nuance here too. Like Yes it just happens but also you set the intention and maybe you weren't aware that you set the intention but like mm-hmm. I remember very clearly very clearly the day that I decided I was going to meet my husband it was 2 weeks before I actually met my husband so 2 weeks before I met him I went on this terrible online date okay cupid this was back in the day like 8 years ago <laughs> I went on this terrible okay cupid date and I I sat myself down and I said to myself I will never date a loser again. Like I will never and I and I also said like I am not online dating anymore. I'm just going to let it happen. I'm not like I'm holding out for my dream husband. I literally said the words I'm holding out for my dream husband 2 weeks later I met him. But the reason why like things like that work for us is because maybe in that area of our life we don't feel the need to control as much. Maybe we believe in fate or destiny a little bit more. But the same is true in business where we can be like I'm holding out for my soulmate client. I'm raising my standard. I'm raising my prices. I'm holding out. But then the the thing that we run into is someone will come up and say, oh, that's too expensive. And instead of recommitting and being like, that's okay, there's someone else out there who's ready to pay these prices and sees the value. We then get afraid, right? Like we get afraid because someone said that's too expensive or can you give me a discount? And so it's, it's just recognizing like, there's going to be times where if you raise your standards in business, or if you want to call something in in business, it may look like it's not working. And it's what do you do in those moments when it's not working to still get what you want? And I think that's the power of holding yourself in the discomfort of what you can't control. Because you can't find the path. You can't figure out the how. Like when when you were manifesting this marriage proposal, there were so many things that could have told you this isn't going to work this year. You'll have to wait a year. There were so many different things. And so when you finally released and relaxed and just decided it was going to happen and that you didn't care about all the little things, but you just assumed it would work, That's when things just started working for you because you took your hands off of it. You took the control off of it. And even though there was all this evidence stacked against you that it wasn't going to work out, you still believed. And that's what we have to bring through in business too is like, it can look like it's not working, but how do you respond when it's not working? Are you assuming that the evidence you're being presented with is the only outcome? Or are you looking at that and saying, Actually, I still want to charge higher prices and I trust that there's somewhere, someone out there who's ready to pay me these prices. I trust that there's someone out there who's coming into my energy now to pay me. And it's hard because you're like holding yourself in all, the, all these money wounds and all these fears that people aren't going to like you. But it is so powerful when you can really become embodied in it because then miracles truly do happen everywhere in business, in life, in marriage, everything. So (laughs) I feel like I'm doing like a lot of like mic drop moments in this episode and I'm not even intending to, it's just like channeling through maybe because we worked together for so long and I'm like used to sharing wisdom (laughs) with you. I literally had to
1: remind myself in the middle of that, that, oh, this is a podcast. This is not a coaching call. I'm
0: just so comfortable with you that this is what (laughs) flows through.
1: (laughs) I just regret not opening my notebook to take notes. That's my biggest regret right now,
0: but well, it's, it's um, recorded. So. It's true. So true. But no, I definitely agree. Set.
1: And it's also cool because what ends up happening is that it gets easier. I think that's the best part. It, it truly, truly gets easier because as you see more evidence of things working out, you like can hold on to that evidence, even during times where you're just like frustrated and you want to do nothing, but just like scream into a wall. Like it, I I recommend screaming and like getting it all out of your system and all <laughs> yeah. of that, but you know that on the other side there it'll be fine. And I think I've entered that where like if this like if this can work out, anything can work out.
0: Yeah. And
1: that has been, I think, one of the biggest lessons. Um that oh. I have kind of integrated, like if this can work out, anything can work out. Um so I do have Kristen to thank for that. If, yeah. like, and it's so funny to me because I literally found her by chance. Like I, I, I didn't go on Instagram and type in business coach or anything like
0: that. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole fucking way the universe works, right? Like you were literally manifesting me without knowing you were manifesting me. And I was at the same time manifesting you without knowing I was manifesting you. And like, I think of every mentor I've ever, I've ever hired. And it's like, it's always coming from this like random thing chance thing that happened where i saw a certain post all of a sudden and i like hadn't paid attention to their content for months or someone mentioned them or recommended them and then it ended up being like this perfect fit and i think we just have to lean into those moments where we've been the client as well and realize like we've made decisions that were seemingly divine so why can't mm-hmm. the clients we want to receive be in the same position why can't something like that happen where I think you heard me on a podcast, right? Where someone hears me or you on a podcast, on this podcast, and decides, wow, I heard something in Alina that really makes me excited to hire her as my copywriter. Boom. Like, why can't that be true? What? I said, don't hesitate from those feelings. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lean into those feelings. (laughs) Uh,
1: No, but I definitely agree because I'll even think back to like some of my favorite clients and- seeing their not- the seeing that notification in my inbox that they filled out like a form or whatever, I was just shook. I was like, how did you even find me? Like, where did you come from? I don't even know. And those are sometimes my favorite. And it's why I stopped using Upwork. <laughs> I'm kidding. There are many reasons I stopped using Upwork, but that was <laughs> one of the reasons where I was started trusting that people could find me without me having to like bid for a project or something like that. And I think that's one of my favorite parts because- one piece of content can like attract like 10 people that I love into my world. And so that's a really great thing to remember when that input output thing you were talking about comes into effect where you never know like where that one thing that you did so long ago can like suddenly generate
0: so much for you in one day. Um, and I've seen that a lot too. And like, what if we made that standard? Like, what if it was like so normal that things we did Years ago, in my case, or months ago, in your case, we're still bringing people to us. Like, what if it was just normal that all the time people are landing on your profile and deciding to hire you? And this is something I bring through too. And then I know we should probably wrap up because I've kept you here longer than I said I would. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, but this is something I bring to now to my copywriting. Speaking of copywriting, I, and maybe this is something you, you practice yourself. I, I'm not sure. I'd be curious to know, but I set an intention now. And before I start writing, I say to myself, I want this content to whatever my intention is to serve my audience and to help them know that I can help them with whatever they're struggling with or i want this content to connect with my next expansion mastermind client specifically what do they need to hear and i i have really started this practice of being so intentional about what what the fuck am i writing like wh- who and who am i speaking to and i think that's been something that has really changed the game for me and like what am i okay you were talking about journal prompts all right y'all ready for this this is not for children but this is a really powerful journal prompt that's I think at this point, when it's all said and done, will have netted me an additional an additional sixty thousand dollars in my launch. So it's a fire tip, a fire journal prompt. So, um, and maybe more than that. But at the time I'm recording this, it'll be about sixty thousand additional revenue. So I've been writing content lately. Let me see if I can pull it up so I can get it exactly right because it's it's pretty damn good. Okay. So I sit down and I look at my notes app and the first thing I say. (laughs) I can't see her screen. So like I
1: want to laugh too, but like I don't know what to laugh at. So I'm just waiting.
0: (laughs) Okay, so this is my journal prompt for all of my captions lately. How do I nurture my audience to orgasm as they pay me? (laughs) Oh my God! I really wanted to lean into this idea of like it is so hot to pay me like everyone wants to pay me and they're turned on by the idea of paying me <laughs> so literally that's my journal prompt right now and it, it's like like I said it's maybe like $60,000 this week alone <laughs> I'm really excited to journal
1: later today that's all I'm going to say that's going to be embarrassing <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean I, circling it all back to the beginning. So Alina is this amazing copy copywriter and you know speaking to the expert like you I consider you an expert in copywriting just knowing your background and how much training that you've had in copywriting not to mention your lawyer background and all the clients you've worked with and also just observing the way you write your stuff like I'm always like wow I want to buy that even though I'm not in the market for a copywriter <laughs> like there's something that is so powerful to hear from the expert copywriter that energy really matters. And I think that you so clearly outlined that for us when you talked about your own experiences, working with clients that weren't a good fit for you. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, thank you for being here and sharing your expertise. Is there any like last golden nugget or just really juicy tip or, Anything that's like on your heart that you really want to share with the listeners to close us up today before we share how we can hire you? Definitely. So when it comes to any type
1: of copywriting that you do in your business, and I want you to think beyond this typical sales page or email or website, because those are, I think, the first things that we think about when we think about copywriting, if you think about copywriting, it's just the words you use to inspire someone to take an action. And that can be any action, right? That can be to like something, download something, buy something, I don't care what your action is, like whatever. If you think about it, that doesn't just mean what you're writing, but it also is what you're saying. So one of the biggest things that I think business owners can always do better is to strengthen the connection between what they're writing on whatever platform you choose and what you're saying verbally when you're speaking to people on a discovery call, on a podcast interview, in a YouTube video, on Instagram stories. Because often if you've worked with a writer, if you outsource something, what will end up happening is sometimes there's a disconnect between the tone of voice, the vibe, um, and your audience can feel that because it's just intrinsic. We know when something was written by someone else a best Mm -hmm. example of this is like if you write a text to send to someone to break up with them, but your friend helped you with the text, you can tell like what parts are written by you and what parts are written by your friend. Like it's very clear. Mm -hmm. And a good copywriter will be able to mask that difference as much as possible. But at the end of the day, like if you're working with a copywriter, it's not just outsourcing the task. It's after the task is done, reading it, embodying it and understanding like this is the voice that I'm trying to put out there and doing that even when the copywriter project is done and over with. And that'll just make everything even better because then people will know it's you from beginning to end and there will be no question.
0: That is such a fire tip. I like literally have never thought about that. I, probably because I write and say everything myself. So it's all me. Yeah. But I do see that that disconnect in even in like seven multi-seven figure entrepreneurs, I can tell when something is not written by them just because you know I follow them closely enough. So I think that, that is like a gold mine tip right there. So I really appreciate you sharing that, Alina. How can we find out more about you? How can we hire you? How can we pay you? How can we orgasm as we pay you? <laughs> so many ways. Um, okay. Uh, so um,
1: you can find me online on Instagram and TikTok at it's Alina Amir. So I T S A L I N A A M I R. Um, same on both. And I love sharing random things. I share a lot of like. BTS or just like me complaining, not complaining, but me ranting about things that maybe are inappropriate to rant about on social media. But in either situation, I love to connect with people on those platforms. And in terms of working with me, um, the way that I love my favorite way right now that I love to work with people. So I'll just talk about that is through my copywriting templates and copy checks. So the templates are like these all-in-one done Google Docs for you to use to write your own stuff. And why I love them so much is because it's guaranteed to sound like you because you're doing it. And the hard work is done for you. Like I've done all the formatting, the color coding, I've done all of that for you. So you just literally have to like open it up and like write. But copy checks also, I think are a really great place for business owners who are just diving into this idea of hiring a copywriter, where if you've written something before, website, sales page, email, you just send it over to me and... I give you ridiculously detailed feedback on like how to make it sound even more golden. So you're retaining your voice, you're retaining your brand, but you're getting all of that strategy and all of that like structure done for you. So you don't have to worry about that. So I'd say those are the best ways, especially if you're just thinking about like diving into this copywriting space.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, Alina. And what was your website one more time?
1: So, my website is the name of my business, which is azadagency.com. So, A Z A A D A G E N C Y.com. That was very and- difficult to spell at the spot. <laughs>
0: <excuse>. <laughs> and what, what's your IG and TikTok handles one more time? Just because you said so much gold about your offers, I want to make sure they know where to go to get that yeah. gold.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, on both p- platforms, it's, it's Alina Amir. So, I T S A L I N A A M. I are amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Alina. You have been a pleasure to have on the Soul Expansion Podcast. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please share it to your Instagram stories, share it with a friend, share it with someone who needs to orgasm while they pay you, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I always bring something crazy when Alina is here. I don't know why. I guess I'm just so comfortable for her to be here. <laughs> I have no complaints. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I hope you enjoyed this organic episode Um, and write a review, do all the things. If you appreciate this podcast, we appreciate you. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the show today. Thank you for being a loyal listener. If you've listened more than once, I really appreciate your time, your focus, your energy and your attention. And so it is my heartfelt request that if you got something out of this episode, please write us a review, rate us, tell us exactly what you want to say, speak from the heart, speak from your soul no review is too short or too long or anything that's too much or not good enough. It's all good. It's all good. We really love and appreciate your feedback. It just helps us make the show better and better and it helps us get the show out to more people. As a reward for your time and energy writing a review, just take a screenshot of it before you hit submit and email it to us at support at kristinkasinski.com. And we will give you free access to my Work Less, Make More, The Vibe Masterclass and Integration Deepening Call. This is over three hours of content that was recorded in 2022, early 2022 on my website. I currently charge money for it. I don't remember what we priced it at, but it's, it's not currently for free anywhere else unless you write a podcast review, screenshot that review and send us an email. So the email address is support at I would love to gift you this free gift for your time and energy being a listener and writing a review. So if you have a few moments right now, I would really appreciate your words, your feedback, your shares and your love. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. I so, so, so appreciate you and I'll talk to you soon.